0: Talking with Peter Wattenhood, CEO for Life Healthcare, results for year in September, revenue up 10.3%, full year dividend 44 cents, that's up 10%, and then normalized earnings per share up 11.4%, hips from continuing ops off four. Peter, appreciate the time, strong local paid patient days. Is this a return to sort of post-pandemic normal or are you picking up some market share here?
1: It's a little bit of both, I think, Simon. In the context of picking up market share, we concluded three network deals and probably refer to ourselves as the largest preferred network provider of hospital care in the country. So that has contributed significantly to the increase in volumes across the infrastructure. And yes, the normalization of the case mix would suggest that we're returning to pre-COVID type levels. But that's always a very difficult forecast to make. I don't stand behind it. I just mainly make an observation.
0: The network deals, I mean, what sort of duration are they typically? I mean, is it an annual review process or what's the process there?
1: Typically, they're three-year deals, and that allows us to cement ourselves into a position where we've gained some market share, gained incremental volumes, and off the back of that, use the volume throughput in the hospital complexes to design and deliver new value-based care products, which we think will make us even more competitive.
0: What sort of occupancy levels are you running at your hospitals at this point?
1: Our ICUs are north of 80%. In aggregate for the year, we've reported a 68% occupancy across the hospital complexes, but across our total complexes, including rehabilitation and mental health, it's just nudging just north of 70.
0: Okay. Those are chunky numbers. What about input costs? I mean, certainly this has been a year of inflation. Certainly, I can't imagine that medical has been escaping inflation. How have you been managing inputs?
1: Well, the most important driver of our cost base is our nursing costs. Mm-hmm. They are absolutely vital to the operations of the hospitals. And typically, they've enjoyed a greater than CPI inflation adjustments. So our cost base has been under pressure and uh, responsibly so, in addition to which we've taken some hits with increased electricity costs, diesel costs as a result of load shedding were probably the most significant items to report. We've also spent far more on technology as we've modernized the infrastructure as a modern healthcare company is required to do. Mm -hmm. But I think those are the key parts of the cost driver base.
0: Nursing skills. I mean, there's been a lot of talk around a skills shortage in South Africa in many areas. One of them is certainly healthcare, certainly in nursing. Is that creating a pain point for your operations?
1: Not only does it create a pain point for us and all other healthcare providers, but it is the forward-looking piece of that statement that is absolutely worrisome. Mm -hmm. South Africa, like the rest of the world, is short of nurses. And if the ambition statement around delivering NHI is to be true, then we need more nurses and we need them fast. In addition to which, we look in the telescope and you can see a shortage of doctors on the horizon as well. So access to sufficient skills and the specialized skills is critical in healthcare. And it's a problem that has to be taken seriously. And we have voiced our frustration at not being allowed to train enough nurses and we will not stop talking about it. We have to be permitted to train more nurses. South Africa has to train more nurses.
0: You mentioned globally. I mean, this is more It's a huge problem locally, but it's a global issue as well. Just healthcare professionals are in short supply.
1: Absolutely. Whether I'm traveling in the United Kingdom, the United States, everyone goes back to the same common denominator in the conversation. We are short of nursing skills. We need more.
0: You mentioned load shedding a moment ago. I mean, in hospitals, load shedding is critical. If my burger joint power goes off, they can manage. Not so much the case in hospitals. Are you almost insulated from load shedding at this point now when it happens?
1: Well, not insulated on the basis that the grid doesn't go down, but we've got sufficient alternatives in all our hospital complexes of at least uh, two diesel generators. We use supplemental power as solar power, but that only operates given the technology that we invested in some years ago when the grid's actually on. So it's more of a cost reduction Mm -hmm. approach as opposed to a backup approach. But yes, it's critical. But while you're talking about that, water is even more critical. Without water, a hospital cannot operate.
0: That's almost the next crisis coming. I mean, is that something which you're already provisioning within the hospitals? And in some ways, perhaps harder than generators or solar?
1: You can make electricity far easier than you yeah. can make water, says the accountant. But yes, what we've done is where we've had permission and it's been accessible, we've drilled boreholes in close proximity to the hospitals where that facility is viable. In other aspects, we've got a sufficient water storage capacity to back the hospital up if the potable water supply fails. Mm-hmm. And in the extreme event where we run out of backup capacity and, shall we say, municipal supply of water, we've got arrangements with water tankers, to be able to supplement what the hospital requires.
0: Life molecular imaging, your offshore unit, loss-making, but my sense of reading through the numbers is that this really is around as it scales up, you're getting approvals for a number of products and across the world in that space.
1: Absolutely. A really exciting moment in the development of that division and its prospects. It's been years in the making. The technology that they have developed in the radioisotope NeuroSeq cost hundreds of millions of dollars to develop. It took nearly a decade of research, if not more, We're now in a position where the commercial realities are there for everyone to see, that we have a complete Alzheimer's care pathway in the U.S. We have diagnostics available, we have disease-modifying drugs for Alzheimer's that are now viable and are commercialized, and the medical aids in the U.S.A. will pay both for the diagnostic and for the treatment, so the demand for diagnostics is going up, and we can start to see that in the improvement in the commercial sales that we are showing in the U.S.A., but there's still a long way to go and lots more that we can do. So, yes, nice growth off a small base. We yeah. need the base to be bigger.
0: You mentioned US there. I imagine this is something that subject to regulatory processes, I mean, the rest of the world is equally viable.
1: Absolutely. The USA just happens to be well ahead of that curve. Mm-hmm. But we have established distribution, manufacturing, or sales agreements across 44 countries already for Neuroseek. We're just waiting for the care pathways to be, as you say, the regulations to catch up. And then we are up and running in other jurisdictions. But the USA is the primary area of focus for the sales teams today.
0: And then last, Alliance Medical Group, you've announced the sale of that subject to some approvals. One of them, I think, is a shareholder vote in a couple of weeks. And some of that proceeds, $8.4 billion, back to shareholders, either special dividends or buybacks.
1: The 8.4 is the bit that's coming back to shareholders. And mm-hmm. We've telegraphed a portion of that, probably one and a half billion for share buybacks and the balance in cash. The shareholder vote is on the 8th of December and the conditions precedent should be fulfilled the first quarter of 2024. So we're telegraphing to the market that the dividend will be paid back to them, probably Q2 of 2024.
0: Q2, we'll leave that there. Peter Whartonhood, CEO of Life Healthcare, appreciate the time.